Judges chapter 2 and verse 6. If you got it, say amen. Judges chapter 2 and verse 6. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. How many's ready to get your inheritance and possess the land? And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. How many seen God do some great works for his church? Hallelujah. You've witnessed God move in his church. Verse 8, And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. Praise God. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnathheres, in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaish. Verse 10. And also that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. There arose a generation. Another generation. After this generation that had seen God do great and mighty works, there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. If you would lay your Bibles down, let's lift our hands and ask God to have His way. God, we thank You so much for Your presence that we felt in this place tonight. We ask You, God, that You would anoint us to deliver this message, anoint every ear, every heart, every mind. Uh, God, we thank you today for all you've done for us, and we ask you, Lord, to continue to have your way and hide me behind the cross, Lord, that we might see you in this service. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Praise God. For just a few minutes tonight, I want to preach on this subject, how to win this generation for God. How to win this generation. Everybody say this generation for God. Hallelujah. I talk with folks, and you do too, and we sit around and have conversations, and I'm sure you've had them. I've had them where we dream and think about what it would have been like to have been there when Jesus walked on the earth, what it would have been like to have been there when Daniel went down in the lion's den, what it would have been like to have been there when Peter stepped out of the boat. And we, we can say, man, I wish I'd have lived back then, and I wish I'd have lived in the days when the church was on fire and they were having 3,000 soul revivals. And, man, what it would have been like to have been there when Philip was caught away. And, and, and I, I, I find myself daydreaming about other generations. But I came tonight... To give new freedom a message, this is our generation. God gave us this generation. Now, there are multiple generations in the house today, but this generation, 2022, this is our time. This is our day. We, we, we don't need to be pining for a, another generation. We need to get a hold of the generation God has given us and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. This is our 
generation. I read an article this week, and this article was written in the United Kingdom, and uh, you're going to hear some words in there we don't use, but I'm going to read it the way they wrote it, and I want us to understand it's not just in the United Kingdom. It's in America, too, and it's not just in America. It's in Tennessee, and it's not just in Tennessee. It's in Wilson County, and it's not just in Wilson County, Brother Cannon. It's in Lebanon, and it's not just in Lebanon. It's on your job, at your school, at your, at your whatever you're involved in. There are people that will fit in this article. Some children arriving in primary education in the United Kingdom are unable to say their own names. Teachers' report is set to reveal that many are not toilet trained. These are going into school now. Many are not toilet trained, still eating baby food, and one pupil even brought to school in a shopping trolley. That's a buggy for us here in Lebanon. <laughs> Children arriving at primary schools in Britain are unable to say their own names. They're not even able to eat regular food. They're still eating baby food. And a year-long inquiry into the state of the U.K. education system will be released today, it was released today, and it will reveal that dozens of head teachers and experts and leaders have said that early years, early years education is in a shocking state. One head teacher from Nottinghamshire told of how little time was spent on the essential lessons in literacy or numeracy in her reception classes as teachers had to direct their focus on basic care, with many not toilet trained or able to say their own names. She said that many of the four- and five-year-olds, I want to stop right here. Sister Laura, how old are your kids? Four- and five. So I'm guessing that's Jojo and Davy. That's their age. Okay? Think about what I'm fixing to read. She said that many of the four and five year olds in her school had only drunk from baby bottles and when thirsty would say the term bot bot rather than knowing how to communicate that they wanted a drink. Others are still on baby foods. We had one child arrive having had 14 teeth removed. Her school has even had to employ care workers just to help change nappies. I'm guessing that's divers <laughs> of her pupils. She added that one child was brought into school in a shopping trolley as the parent found it was the cheapest mode of transportation. Ahead of the final report, she told the newspaper that 50% of the children in reception, I'm guessing that's when they start school, then reception and nursery are not toilet trained. The Nottinghamshire head continued, we are parenting in so many different ways. I need to do an assembly on eating with a knife and fork because the children we will eat a full Sunday dinner with their hands. We're not teaching them to write their names. We're teaching them to scribble. This is the state of that age 
in the school system in the UK. The astounding results will launch an initiative that will encourage parents. Think about this. It will encourage parents to talk and play with their children so their first interactions in the education system can focus more on the curriculum rather than basic life skills. We're going somewhere tonight. Just stay with me. I, I, I'm, I'm, I got somewhere to go. Thank you, Jesus. The Times spoke to another head teacher in Cumbria who said that children were coming to the school being pushed in buggies until they were around six or seven and with many still sucking on dummies. I'm guessing that's pacifiers. Her school also runs parenting classes and adult literacy lessons to address barriers to learning. Nearly a third of five-year-olds in England are not reaching a good level of development, and deprived pupils are around five months academically behind their richer classmates by the time they begin school. And by the age of 16, the gap widens to 18 months. In 2020, 46% of pupils starting in reception were not ready for school, and that had risen 35% from the previous year. The pandemic is said to have been a catalyst to the issue. Another teacher from West Yorkshire revealed that they have around half of their children who are not school ready, but this year it is at a staggering 80 to 90%. This lady, director of Kindred Squared, said, One child I heard about needed intensive physiotherapy. Listen to this. I'm talking about the generation that we get to win to God. I'm talking about what's coming on the scene. This kid needed intensive physiotherapy because they didn't have the strength in their legs to walk the amount they needed to at school. Some children spend so much time in front of the TV, they're physically not developing their muscle tone. Some will blame parents, but we all want the best for our children. And teachers say what isn't being made clear enough to parents is what being developmentally ready for school actually means. Come on now. If you can't get your kid out from in front of a screen so much so that they can't even walk because their muscles aren't developed yet, but that's the generation God has chosen us to win. Not just these children, but what we're going to focus in on are the parents of these children. Because this is our generation. We're not going to throw them away. We're not going to tell them we don't want them. We're going to welcome them in and we're going to find out tonight how to win this generation. Praise God. The final report of the commission says the government has to overcome squeamishness about getting directly involved in family life, suggesting that there should be more in the way of home visits and drop-in centers. I don't know about all that. Baroness Casey of Blackstock, an expert in social welfare who has worked for five prime ministers, said that schools could not operate as islands but should act as bridges between communities and families. Education is one of the ways out of poverty, and so is family. Where you have both of those things working well together, you see people thrive, And where you have one of those things not working effectively, sometimes one can override the other. I'm a great believer in family intervention. Some of this is about resources, but it's also about determination and joined up working. And I came to tell New Freedom, we can win Lebanon to God if we'll have determination and we'll have joined up working. If we'll make up our mind, this is our city, this is our generation, this is what God called us to do, and we'll join together and be unified to the cause and catch the vision of what God's doing, we'll win our city to God. A generation is defined as a group of people 
born in the same time period and generation names exemplify our human tendency to categorize ourselves. Over time, sociologists and generation researchers usually deem titles for the different age groups based on historical social trends. I'm going to read to us a brief, non-comprehensive list of the generations of the recent past. I hope I'm not boring you tonight. The lost generation, they called it, was the people that were born from 1883 to 1900. This term, lost generation, was coined by author Gertrude Stein. This name refers to individuals who came of age during the First World War, observing an unimaginable loss of life as well as mass immigration. The term encompasses the general sense of purposelessness and aimlessness many youth experienced at that time. These feelings were famously featured in work of expatriate American writers such as Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald, whose novels included themes of disillusionment and cynicism. That was the lost generation. The next generation to come on the scene was the greatest generation. That's what they called it, the greatest generation. Those were people that were born from 1901 to 1924, also known as the GI generation or the government issue generation. This group grew up during the Great Depression and most likely fought in World War II. News broadcaster Tom Brokaw deemed them the greatest in the late 90s because of their moralistic attitude toward the conflict. The greatest generation. The next generation to come on the scene was the silent generation. These were people born from 1925 to 1945. Spending young adulthood in post-war period, this group is known for accepting government rather than speaking out against it. They are called silent because of their lack of protestation and general pursuit of modest careers and secure domestic lives. I guess so. They just came through the greatest conflict. And so they figured, well, I'll just stay to myself. After that was born the generation called the baby boomer generation, which I'm guessing some of us here. Is there anybody here born during the silent generation? During the silent generation. When, when were you born? Do you understand the silent generation? Do you remember it? So we have in this building someone who lived in the silent generation. And they can understand that generation better than we can. There are people in this city who were born and a part of the silent generation. Sister Lynn, you can reach them better than anybody else because you know their life and what they've lived through. You figured out where I'm going yet? <laughs> this is our generation then it's the baby boomers baby boomers raise your hand raise your hand baby boomers there you are what are those those are the ones born between 1946 and 1964 yep that's you <laughs> that's the baby boomer generation the term derives from the huge population boom following the war because everybody was silent hello i gotta behave today its members collectively experienced the cold war the moon landing, the assassinations of activist Martin Luther King Jr. and President John F. Kennedy, the Vietnam War, war and the Civil Rights Movement. They are characterized by national optimism and prosperous consumerism. That's a fact. Baby boomers. You boomers. That's your generation. There are no telling how many baby boomers in Lebanon, Tennessee. You can relate to them. 
You can understand them the way the silent generation can. Even though she lived through it, she had the previous input to go into that. And those of us who were born after it, we really don't get it either. But you do. And God placed you in this church to save those in that generation. The next generation, those born 1965 to 1980, where are you at? 65 to 80? Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. This is Generation X is what they call it. Also known as the Baby Busters, since their birth rate was significantly smaller in comparison to the Boomers. This generation is characterized by reactionism, rebellion, self-reliance, and overall mistrust of institutional authority, y'all bunch of rebels. <laughs> but that's true. That's true. Thank you, Jesus. Notable developments of their time include the fall of the Berlin Wall. Y'all remember that? Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Remember that? The first personal computers and previously unparalleled emphasis was on education in Generation X. Those of us who were born and lived in Generation X, we can relate to those who were born and lived in Generation X. After this were those that were born from 1981 to 1996. Who were those? 81 to 96. Wow, look at all these. Y'all are Generation Y. Why? I don't know. Just why. This demographic is more commonly referred to as millennials. That's right, the millennials, because they became adults at the turn of the millennium, and they've been partying like it was 1999 ever since. <laughs> Praise God. Afraid of turning their clock. I'd have turned the clock back if it hits 2,000. Y'all remember that mess? I remember that mess. The world's going in because my clock can't change. Boy, this world's gone nuts. Thank you, Jesus. Key distinctions for this group include remembering the events of 9-11. You remember where you were at? They remember 9-11 from personal experience, participating in the rise of the Internet, and dealing with financial struggles as a result of the Great Recession, Generation Y. Those of you in that generation, you can... Talk to your generation the way those of us who aren't of your generation can't. Then comes Generation Z. These are those that were born between 1997 and 2012, also known as iGen because most of their lives, listen, most of their lives have been spent using personal technology such as smartphones. As a whole, Gen Zers are more racially and ethnically diverse, better educated, and more familiar with non Somebody's going to have to help me with this. Non-heteronormative. I'm guessing that means man and woman together and they do everything but that. Is that pretty much what that means? Identities than previous generations. With the advent of social media, everybody say social media. The exacerbation of the climate crisis. Y'all want to buy a bridge? Um, and the rise in a mass sh shooting violence. Among many other socio-political pressures, Gen Z is seen as the most depressed generation. But also the generation most likely to engage in social activism. And I don't call them Generation Z. You know what I call them? 
I call them the selfie generation. That's why they're the most depressed. Because it's all about me and it's all about what I can get. And I want more, more, more. And gimme, gimme, gimme. And I'm not a giver. Why? Because I want to consume it all on me. It's all about self. It's all about what I can do, what I can achieve, what I can become. And you better not get in my way. You know why the Dead Sea is dead? Because it has no outlet. It's only an inlet. And that's what happened to the selfie generation. And then they, sh they came up with a new one for those born... Wait, how many was born 97 to 12? It's all right. We know y'all good folks. Is it just y'all? Man, and God trusts you to be here to win your generation. Thank you, Jesus. Then comes generation, what this guy calls, this author called it Generation Alpha. That's those born 2013 to 2025. Wait before you think that's a good name. <laughs> Social researcher Mark McCrindle coined the term for the most recent generation to denote a new start after Gen Z. And the reason I'm like, that's not a good thing, is because when you first start something, you don't know nothing about it. You're starting over from nothing. You ain't got a clue. And that's what this generation's doing right now. That's what's happening to this generation. They ain't got a clue. They're trying to figure thing, everything out from scratch. Why? We, we've already figured this out. We've had generation after generation after generation after generation. We've pretty much lived through anything they're going to live through. And instead of asking somebody to help them, they're going to figure it out on their own. Generation Alpha. He theorizes that they will be characterized by more diverse family dynamics. Yeah. Higher racial diversity. Nothing wrong with that and a higher economic inequality than previous generations. I call them selfie generation's offspring. Okay, So I see the selfie generation, and then I see the offspring of self. Offspring of it's all about me. Offspring, that's why in Britain they don't even know their name. Because while they were crawling around on the floor, mama and daddy's in a corner somewhere posting on Instagram. You hear what I'm telling you? The reason they're having to figure it out on their own is because mama and daddy was absent because they were consuming it on themselves. They didn't care about the world. They didn't care about nobody else. They didn't even care about their children. And their kids don't even know how to, how to say, I'm thirsty. And I'm not condemning them. I came to tell new freedom. This is the generation God has called us to save. This is the generation that God has called us to go out and to bring into the house of God. People who have had to start over and they don't know anything. much. They haven't heard the name Jesus. They don't even know how to say their own name. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they want. They don't know where they are. And this is our generation. I come to tell you, this is the most fertile ground for revival the church has ever seen. This is the most fertile ground for a harvest of souls that the church has ever seen. They don't have a clue about the world. They're trying to figure it out. Y'all remember the story of Esther? You remember how Ahasuerus... 
got mad at his wife, had her killed. I'm shortening the story real good for us tonight. <laughs> he uh, said, I want another queen. The Bible says that they brought all the fair maidens of the town. If you read in chapter 2, I can tell you why Esther was chosen. Chapter 2, verse 15, Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abio, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Esther knew, if I can please the king, I'll become queen. But she didn't know. She didn't know what would please the king. So she went to the king's chamberlain. Who was the king's chamberlain? He was the one that was in charge of the ladies. He was the one that was in charge and told them what they needed to do before they presented themselves to the king. You know who your chamberlain is? It's the man of God in your life. He's the keeper of this thing we call the lady of God, the church, the mother of us all. We are the keeper of the standards of the house of God. And if you want to present yourself before God, you need to speak with the chamberlain and find out in Lebanon, Tennessee, what pleases God. Now, it might not be the same thing pleases God in Lake Park. It might not be the same thing pleases God in Nashville. It might not be the same thing pleases God in Akron. It might might not be the same thing that pleases God anywhere, but he has given us a chamberlain in Lebanon to let the women know this is what pleases God. And the men, that includes you too. We're talking spiritual. So if we want to be pleasing to God, we have to understand he has given us a plan. And he has given us a plan to save this city. And we're not going to save this city by letting down on the standards that God has delivered to this body. We're not going to save this city by becoming like this city. We're going to hold on to the standards God has delivered us. The Bible says when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard unto him. Well, let me tell you something, honey. The enemy has come in like a flood in the world. Even in Lebanon, the enemy has come in like a flood. And it's up to new freedom to lift up a standard. What is a standard? It's a rallying point for all those in the battle so they can come and receive refreshment so they can come and receive rest and new freedom you are the standard that God has lifted in the battle you are the standard that God wants to show to this world you are the standard for our city and you know the story how Haman was going to kill Mordecai and Mordecai went to Esther and said, hey, you got to go see the king. Now you got to understand anybody that went to the king and he didn't hold out the golden censer, they were killed. And she's talking to her uncle Mordecai and he said, Esther chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. He's going to come after you too, girl. Verse 14, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. I got news for somebody tonight. You don't want to be used by God to win this city? He'll find somebody else. He'll put somebody on a train in Nashville and ship them in here and put them on a seat somewhere in this house and he'll fill them with the Holy Ghost and he'll use them to go get souls that are hungry for God. You don't want to be used for God? That's fine. But you're going to give account just like everybody else. He said, Then shall... 
their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth? Somebody say, who knoweth? Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? New Freedom, this is our time. This is our generation. This is our opportunity. God's opening the door. I'm telling you, next Saturday, I'm telling you something's going to happen next Saturday. When we get out here and we start praising God into our community, I'm telling you something's going to happen. I'm telling you we're going to reap where we have sowed. I'm telling you we're going to cast our bread on the water and it's not going to come back without a harvest. Gen Z, the selfie generation and their offspring. They don't know who they are. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to be loved. They have no clue. You know why? Because they weren't loved. They weren't loved. Mama and daddy was consumed with themselves. They didn't know how to love. And their children certainly don't know how to receive love because it was never given. We are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know how we're going to win our city to God? We're going to love them. This is how we're going to win this city to God. No matter where they are, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what they haven't done, no matter what mess they're in, no matter how little mess they're in, we're going to love them into the kingdom. When they come in here, I thank you again for making our visitors feel welcome. When they come in, we're going to embrace them with with open arms. When they come in, we're going to let them know Jesus loves you and He wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. You want to win this city? Let's begin loving this city. But true love is selfless. True love doesn't concern itself. It's concerned with others. I'm telling you, you could walk up to, the, to, to somebody in Walmart in the generation I'm talking about, and you could just say, I'm praying for you. Jesus loves you. And they'll begin to shed a tear running down their face. Why? Because nobody's ever said, I love you. You can just say, hey, have a nice day. And they'll be like, what's wrong with you? They don't know how to receive it. They don't know how to accept it. They don't know how to come in here and feel the presence of God. They don't know what it is. They don't know how to respond to it. That's why they need a brother or a sister. When you see the Holy Ghost begin to move and you just walk behind them and put an arm around them and begin to praise God and you extend your love of God to them. We are the body of Christ. He called us to be His flesh in the world today. And this is our generation. They want to belong to something. They want community from somewhere. They just want to belong. The world has told them they don't belong. The world has told them they'll never experience love. The world has hurt them. The world has turned their back on them. They want to be appreciated. I read an article. I'm not going to go into a lot of it. We have children in here. and I'm not planting that seed. Y'all know where Los Angeles is. Most of us know what this month was. They had a parade this week in Los Angeles. I read an article about that. 
because I wanted to hear what the participants were saying. You know what they're saying? When I was 10 years old, I decided I wanted to be different. Go with me now. You know what I'm talking about. When I was 10 years old, I decided I was not this, I was that. It's because that's what they're being fed. And then a couple of years later, I said, no, that must not be it, so I tried this. I'm, re- I'm paraphrasing what this person told this reporter. And that wasn't it, so I tried this. And that wasn't it, so I tried this. And finally, I just decided I'm nothing. And this is what this person said. I'm confused we look at them and we judge them as evil people we look at them and we judge them as people nobody would ever you know what God loves them God cares about them they're not evil people they're just sinners that need a savior just like I was a sinner that needed a savior just like you were a sinner that needed a savior and they're just confused in their mind and the only place they're going to find truth is in the house of God the only place they're going to find the love of God is in the house of God and you are the temple of the Holy Ghost you carry his love with you everywhere you go now use wisdom I'm not telling you to be ignorant but we got to quit looking at the world with an I'm not saying you are I'm asking you to be sure you don't we can't look at the world with an upturned snout we can't look at the world and say I'd never want them to go here Please don't ever say that. I want them all to come here. I want them to come. This is a healing station. This is where they can find the only hope they got in the world. This is where they can find the love of God. They're not going to find it anywhere else. They've looked in the bottle. They've looked in the pill. They've looked in a relationship. This is our generation. And we're going to love them into the church. They're confused. And we all know God is not the author of of confusion God is love they're confused they don't know what they are they just know they don't want to be whatever it is they are they feel something on the inside that draws them to more they surely that's why their suicide is so high because they're confused and they they just can't find what it is to satisfy their soul only Jesus can satisfy your soul. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Everybody say, me. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but He loved us. Well, they ought not do that. They ought to know better than that. They ought to love God. They don't know how, but He loves them. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And I came tonight to tell you I'm applying that to this generation, our generation, whoever we run into. We ought to love them. Why? Because God loved us. I didn't deserve it. 
You wouldn't have even talked to me if you'd have seen me. Ask Sister Wood sometime. You would not have even said, praying? Uh, you'd have turned around and walked off. You wouldn't have liked me. I didn't like me. God did. We're going to meet people that, that, that we don't want to, they're going to smell funny. They're going to have lifestyles we don't agree with. Well, I don't agree with the lifestyle I live. Every one of us should be able to look back and say, I don't agree with the lifestyle I lived. I don't have to agree with it. I just have to be the love of God to them. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another... God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. If anybody is going to see the love of God they've never seen before, they're going to see it through us. Because God loved us, and we ought to appreciate the love of God enough to show it to somebody else. Not hoard it to ourselves. Show it to somebody else. Hereby, verse 13, know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us of His Spirit. How many got the Holy Ghost? If you ain't, you need to pray through again. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in Him. You want God in you? Start loving somebody. Herein is our love made perfect, verse 17, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, everybody say, so? So are we. That's a hard one there now. But it's in the Bible. We know and believe the love that God had for us. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein. Everybody say herein. Is our love made perfect? That we have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. You mean I'm supposed to be like God in this world? The love of God. The body of Christ. I'm not big G God in the world. I'm a sinner saved by big G God. I'm some, somebody who has experienced the mercy, the grace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the kindness, the goodness, the love of God. And I'm supposed to express this to my generation. You know why you were born when you were born? Because God wanted you tonight to know this is your generation. You were born into this time because God wanted to use you in this time to save this city. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. You're here not by accident. I don't care how you were born. You're here 
because God wanted you. Everybody say me. God wanted you here to love this generation. As he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. I'm afraid if I go around them, that junk will rub off on me and I'll start walking around like this. No, it won't. Not if you got the Holy Ghost. I'm afraid if I go around them and I smell that pot, I want to smoke a joint. Not if you got the Holy Ghost. I'm afraid if I go around them and I ride down 24 and I see uh, Jim Bean. It's been a long time. It's going to get longer. If you got the Holy Ghost, you are an overcomer. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're more than a conqueror. If, you're, if you got the Holy Ghost, you can go to the most vilest sinner in this city and love them without fear of them rubbing off on you. They might follow you because they're going to feel something. Oh, they ought to follow us. We ought not follow them. Hello, that'll preach right there. I ain't got time tonight. We ought not be following the world. They ought to be following us to the house of God. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. i got a lot more to preach tonight, but I know I've been, I've been kind of stressing these Wednesday night out, and I know y'all got to work. I'm sorry, I'm trying to do better. <laughs> Some of us have not heard the testimony I give of my friend, Brother Tracy Turner. Tracy Turner. He went into one of those lifestyles where they wear pants with Velcro down both sides. Do I have to explain any further? I hope not. He would, uh, yeah. He he lived that lifestyle. He he lived on the way outside, but somehow. Tracy came to God. I don't even remember who won him to God, but he showed up Truth Harbor. He repented. He got baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of all those sins. I watched him throw all those costumes he used to wear on stage away. I watched him throw them cigarettes away. I watched God transform him. I watched God fill him with the Holy Ghost. I watched God turn his life around. Somebody did him wrong in the church. Somebody treated him like a dog. Somebody treated him like dirt in the church. And he quit because of the way church folks treated him. I called him one day. I said, man, will you meet me at Waffle House? I want to talk to you one more time, Tracy, before you just completely walk away. He met me at the Waffle House. 
He was back to smoking. He was back to living his old lifestyle. I pled with him. I talked to him. And you know what Brother Tracy Turner told me? He said, that's how the world treated me. If I'd have been wanted to tr been treated that way, I'd have just stayed in the world. Why am I going to go to church and be treated the way the world treats me? And he walked away from God. It wasn't too much longer I heard his story. He was on a tractor, bush hogging a field. I think, personally, I think he cursed God. Because on that tractor he had, they said he had a seatbelt on, on the tractor. And he was just out mowing this field, and he hit a bump. And it broke the seatbelt and threw him in front of the tractor. And it ran him over. They put him in pieces in his car. Now I want to ask you a question. That person that treated him so bad in the church, do you think they're going to have to stand before God and give account for what they said to a man who had been loved out of the world and yet treated in the church like he was treated in the world and went to hell because of it? Say, why are you saying this, Pastor Wood? Because there's going to be people coming here and we can't treat them like the world treated them. We can't show them the things the world has showed them. Pastor Wood, why are, why are you letting so-and-so get away with so-and-so? Because I know the alternative. Pastor Wood, why aren't you cracking down on them? You know they're doing this. Yeah, I do. But I don't want to see them walk away. And I'd rather treat them with the love of God than to look down my long sanctified nose and say, don't come back. Let's stand. This is not the direction I thought this message was going. <laughs> but here we are. By this shall all men know you are my disciple. By the love you have one to another. Are you a disciple of Christ? Are you full of the Holy Ghost tonight? Joshua was gone. Man, I thought we'd be shouting tonight. I did. I seen this as a shouting service, but God knows what he's doing. Joshua was gone. All of that generation was gone. And the Bible says there arose another generation that knew not God. Come here, David. Come here, Jojo. Come here. Look at me. What's your name? David. Come here. What's your name? David. Jojo. We're a blessed people. There are kids in this world that can't do that. God's going to send you to them. They'll be a little older than this. You can't go invite these folks to church, but you can invite their mama that's consumed with this, that don't know how to love this. And you can say, hey, would you come to New Freedom? Let us teach you the love of God that will teach you how to love your children. It's not going to be easy. 
Thank you. You can have a seat. Thank you. See, but this is what we're here for. This is what we're here for, is to love a lost and a dying world. You know how we're going to win this city to God, Brother Rogers? Just what you preached. We're going to love them. We're going to show them the love of God. And when they aggravate us and get under our skin, and man, we just want to say, what's wrong with you? We're going to go to an altar and pray and say, God, I don't know what's wrong with them, but you can help them. And you can help me love them. And we can extend the love of God to somebody in our community there's nobody trash. God don't make junk. So, as this has went a totally different direction than I thought it was going to go, I want us to gather around the front. You may be here tonight and you don't know how to love. You may be here tonight and you don't know how to receive love. But I came to tell somebody, Jesus loved you enough to put you in the church. And he's calling us to extend that love to this generation.